the word radical means, among other things, but for the purpose of this message today, radical means different from what is traditional or ordinary. Different from what is traditional or ordinary. Also, radical means having extreme political, social, or religious views that are not shared by most people. Having extreme political, social, or religious views that are not shared by most people. You know, we hear much today about Islam, that's the Muslim religion, and we hear much about radical Islam. Well, what is radical Islam? Muslims that strictly adhere to the teachings of their Bible, which is the Quran. We see Christians in Iraq being threatened by ISIS. Now, ISIS is a radical, radical Islamic terrorist organization. We see Christians in Iraq being threatened by ISIS to convert to Islam, pay a large tax, or perish with the sword. All of this is in line with the teachings of the Quran. Now, you need to realize that most, and I want to say that again, we see Christians in Iraq being threatened by ISIS to convert to Islam, pay a large tax, or perish, or perish with the sword, all in line with the teachings of the Quran. Now, most Muslims are not radical but rather moderate or lukewarm. Most Muslims are not radical, but rather moderate or lukewarm, just like most Christians. Most Christians, at least certainly here in the United States, are not radical, but rather moderate or lukewarm. What does that mean? They do not strictly adhere to the teachings or act upon or live by the teachings of the Bible. This last week, a video was released by this terrorist organization, ISIS, with one of their followers. The newspapers are calling him Jihadi John. And this video was released on YouTube showing this ISIS follower, this radical Islamic individual following the teachings of the Quran, decapitating, cutting off the head of the American journalist James Foley, decapitating, killing that is certainly radical. Yet, as I've said, I'll say it again, it is in line with the teachings of the Quran. Now, having said that, I want to look at a radical person in the Bible because I'm teaching today on radical Christianity. So 
But I want to look at one of the most radical people in the Bible. His name, at least originally as he's introduced to us, Saul of Tarsus. Now in Acts the 7th chapter, reading in the 57th verse, Then they cried out with a loud voice, that's the crowd, stopped their ears, covered their ears, and ran at him, at Stephen, with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. Did you hear that? The crowd cast Stephen out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And in Acts, the eighth chapter, in the first verse, the Bible says that Saul, this is Saul of Tarsus, was consenting to his death. The thing you need to realize is that Saul of Tarsus is in the same category with this jihadi John that we see on the YouTube that decapitated James Foley. You need to understand that about Saul of Tarsus. No real difference between him and the man that decapitated James Foley. That is sobering to think about that. To think that the man that God used to write nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, originally started out in the same boat or the same class, if you will, as this jihadi John. Should make it more real to you of who we're dealing with in Saul of Tarsus. He was not a nice man. He was not a nice guy. If Saul of Tarsus was here today... He would be looking to kill you and I. Judaism, however, is different from Islam. Saul of Tarsus, a strict Jew, was not, I'll say it again, was not, was not being obedient to the Old Testament as he persecuted the Christians. As he would later himself say, I persecuted Christians ignorantly in unbelief. Jihadi John is following the teachings of the Koran when he killed James Foley. Saul was not following the teachings of the Old Testament when he was persecuting and putting Christians to death. He did that ignorantly in unbelief. But aren't you glad that Saul got saved? And in Acts the ninth chapter, starting with the first verse, we see that Saul was still breathing threats and murder. Notice that. Still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he that if he found any who were of the way, any who were Christians, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Think of that. As he journeyed, 
he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So he trembling and Jesus appeared to him, didn't he? I said, Jesus appeared to this killer, didn't he? And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And that day Saul got born again. He became a Christian. And he became a radical Christian, just as radical as he was in the persecution of the Christians. He became that radical for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's a shame that we have to talk about radical Christianity because, you see, when I say that, this is what I mean. Back in the days of the early church in the New Testament, all Christians, as I read it, as I see the, the early church, they were all radical. We should be like them. But you see, over the years, the church has grown cold. And the church that I know of in the United States, not all, but by and large, so many lukewarm Christians, so many lukewarm pulpits, lukewarm pastors, lukewarm, lukewarm moderate, lukewarm, moderate, and So we use that word radical to show what we're supposed to be like, but really we're supposed to be like the Christians of the early church, on fire, ablaze, with the power of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, declaring the good works of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that right? We should all be like that, but because the church has grown so moderate or lukewarm, we have to use this word radical To try to get across to you how we're supposed to be. Do you understand that? So that's why we use the word radical. But really, it it was normal for the days of the early church. But because we've grown so lukewarm and so moderate, not wanting to take a stand for anything, then we have to use this word radical to get across to you how Christians should be. And Saul, as radical as he was, a persecutor, that's how... Radical, he became a Christian. And after Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, he went into the desert of Arabia. He sought the Lord Jesus for several years. And then we pick him up again in Acts 13, verse 1. And notice this radical Christian. We'll refer to him now as Paul. Now in the church. Real loud say, in the church. Where do radical Christians go? They go to church on a regular basis. And he was in the church that was at Antioch. There were certain prophets and teachers. The list begins with Barnabas and ends with Saul. In verse 2, we see they ministered to the Lord and fasted. You see, that's what radical Christians do. They ministered to the Lord and they fast. Notice the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which to I have called them. Then having what? Fasted and prayed. Realize they fasted and prayed. 
not feasting and played, but fasting and prayed. Most churches in this hour, most Christians are feasting and playing rather than fasting and praying. But radical Christians don't feast and play, they fast and pray. Can anybody say amen? And having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God. See, a radical Christian will declare the word of God. They preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now, when they had gone through the island to Pathos, they found a certain saucer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was bar Jesus or Jesus, not the Jesus, our Savior, but another fellow. Verse 7, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul, who was really Paul, and sought to hear the word of God. But notice Elymas, the saucer, so, so his name was translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, or Paul, notice who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice, radical Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice, Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at this saucer and said to him, O full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Can you say amen? See, radical Christians that walk closely with God can do things like that. Leave the devil in the dark. A radical Christian can leave the devil confounded and confused in the dark. Then the proconsul believed, verse 12, when he saw what was done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. See, a radical Christian ought to be so full of the Holy Ghost and full of the power of the Holy Ghost that we leave the devil in the dark, you see, and cause unbelieving people to come to the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we go on to Acts, the 14th chapter, and in the 8th verse... The Bible says, we're talking about this radical Christian named Paul. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And the man leaped and walked. See, that's what we as radical Christians ought to be doing as we go into the highways and the byways declaring the word of God. And someone's there. We see they, that they're, they're sick, they're crippled, whatever the case may be. We observe that they have faith to be healed. And we say to them with a loud voice, be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the power of God hits them and they're made well. Can you say amen? And in Acts, the 16th chapter... As we move along in the life of this man named Paul, this radical Christian, Acts 16, 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer. Real loud say, went to prayer. Say it like you mean it, went to prayer. Say it like you're a radical Christian, went to prayer. See, radical Christians, that's what they do. They go to prayer. And it happened as he went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. 
This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, this you see this radical Christian, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. See, we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we as radical Christians full of the Holy Ghost, when we come in contact with demon power, we ought to say, come out. Come out in the name of the Lord Jesus, and the demon will come out and go. Can you say amen? See, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, one of the things that believers do, radical Christians do, is in the name of Jesus, they cast out demons. They lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. Glory to God. I want to be a radical Christian. How about you? And in Acts, the 16th chapter, you see, as we move on down, we see that as a result of this, Paul and his traveling companion Silas were cast in prison. They were put in prison for doing the work of God. But notice in verse 25, Acts 16, 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. You see, that's what radical Christians do in the midnight hour. They don't complain, whine, and moan, and groan. But when the devil has attacked, and in the midnight hour, in the, in the midst of the jail cell, the, the, the radical Christian full of the Holy Ghost, full of power, does not whine and complain, but rather they pray and sing hymns to God. Can you say amen? And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. See, that's what happens when radical Christians are on the scene and they're praising God in the midnight hour. Not only do they get set free but the, by the power of God, but those that are around them get set free by the power of God as well. Glory to God. And the keeper of the prison, verse 27, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open. Supposing the prison prisoners that fled drew his sword and was about to kill himself, but Paul called with a, with a, cried with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for the light, ran in, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved in your whole household. You see, radical Christians have an answer for the lost world. When the lost world come looking for, for answers, you see, we full of the Holy Ghost, we as radical Christians full of the Holy Ghost, full of power, when a, when a, when a lost and dying world looks to us for answers, we have answers for them, and we say, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. I want to be a radical Christian. How about you? See, radical Christians are led by the Holy Ghost. Radical Christians shake it off when bitten by the power of the enemy. How many of you know there was a time later on in Paul, this radical Christian's life, when he was on that ship, shipwrecked on that island, and he went to gather some sticks, and coming with those sticks, he put the sticks on the fire, and a serpent came out, you know, and bit him, and, uh, and he was supposed to fall down dead. But he didn't fall down dead. The Bible says he shook it off. Real loud say, shake it off. See, that's what radical Christians do when, when the enemy attacks and gets a blow in on us. We don't whine, moan, groan, and go on. But by the power of the Holy Ghost, as a radical Christian serving the Lord Jesus Christ, we shake that thing back off. All of us, we shake. Say, shake it off. We shake it off in the fire, and we rise up in the power of the Holy Ghost, and we go on. Can you say amen? And those people that were there on that island, the Bible says that when they saw that serpent bite Paul, 
They said, surely he's a murderer. Surely he's getting what he deserved. He might have, may have escaped the shipwreck and the sea, but now we see he's been bitten. But when he shook it off, they looked at him there, you know, and they expected him to die. But when he was not harmed by the venom of that serpent, they changed their mind and they said he is a god. But the thing about a radical Christian, we don't care what people think. We don't care what people say, but we walk in the power of the Holy Ghost and, and we just shake it off. We shake it off and move right on with the power of God. Can you say amen? See, radical Christians are led by the Holy Ghost. They shake off the power of the enemy. Radical Christians support the work of God. Radical Christians support the work of God with their substance, with their tithes and with their offerings. Radical Christians come to the house of God and support the work of God with their tithes and offerings. Radical Christians do not tip God. Radical Christians don't just throw, throw a pittance of what they could be throwing into the, into the tithes and the offerings. But radical Christians come to the house of God and they support the house of God with tithes and offerings. Can anybody say amen? See, lukewarm, mamby, pamby, Christians do not support the work of God. Lukewarm, mamby, pamby, Christians come and they tip God in the offerings of the Lord. But radical Christians, Christians that are on fire for God, they, they tithe and they give offerings and they serve God. And they serve God not only with the praise of their mouth, but they serve Him in, with their substance as they bring tithes and offerings to the house of, of God. The man be pamby, the weak, the moderate, the lukewarm, the cold Christians do not support the work of God. But people that are on fire, Christians that are on fire, Christians that are full of the Holy Ghost, Christians that are radical, they support the work of God. Can you say amen? Not just with their mouth, but with their pocketbook. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Pastor, do you need money? No, we're doing fine. All the bills are paid and we're in good shape. I'm not saying that because I need money. I'm saying that because I'm a man of God full of the Holy Ghost telling you that mamby-pamby Christians, lukewarm, moderate Christians don't support the work of God. All they do is tip God, if that. But people that are full of the Holy Ghost will, will support the house of God, the work of God, not only with their mouth, but they put their money where their mouth is and they support it from their pocketbook, from their checkbook. Can you say amen? I said, can you say amen? See, that's what a radical Christian does, is they put their money where their mouth is. Who I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Now, we've talked about Paul, but now I want to go to Acts' second chapter. Let's look at some other radical Christians, which was really normal for the day. But again, we've grown so lukewarm and so cold here in the United States. Let me tell you, there's many dangers that lay here for the United States. And much I could list and much I could say and much I have said over the last weeks and years. But one of, if not the largest danger for the United States is a church that is not radical anymore 
for the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that is the number one danger for the United States of America. Pulpits that are no longer ablaze with the teaching of the Word of God. Pulpits that are no longer teaching doctrine to the people of God, but are rather giving them little encouraging talks. One of the things the Holy Spirit is upset about, irritated with, is that doctrine is not being teached or taught from the pulpits of America anymore as it should. You need good sound doctrine. If you're going to be a radical Christian, you don't need an encouraging talk. Nothing wrong with that once in a while, but week in, week out, you need the teaching of the the doctrines of the Word of God. Number one threat to the United States of America is a lukewarm church, a lackadaisical church, filled with Christians who are not radical, but rather mamby-pamby, will not take a stand for anything. Number one danger to the United States, among many others. But in Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they're all with one accord. See, radical Christians are in agreement. They're in one accord. In one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, And one sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Glory to God. And then in in Acts 2, verse 14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as ye suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my maidservants and on my men servants and maidservants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. Can you say amen? See, we as Christians, we ought to be radical. Glory to God. We ought to be full of the Holy Ghost. Sons and daughters ought to be prophesying. We ought to be seeing visions, having dreams. Glory to God by the Spirit of God, given by the Spirit of God. And we should be full of the Holy Ghost. And these were radical Christians. On fire with the Spirit of God. And notice in Acts 2 verse 42. And they continued steadfastly. See, that's what radical Christians do. They continue, despite the circumstance, despite what's going on in your life. They continue. Realize, say, we will continue. Yeah, we'll continue. Say it like you're radical. Say, we'll continue. Yeah, we'll continue steadfastly. We don't give up and quit. I said, we don't give up and quit. You don't fail till you give up and quit. They continued steadfastly. We're talking about radical Christians. They continued steadfastly, notice, in the apostles' doctrine. Not in a little pep talk. But rather in the apostles' doctrine. 
We're talking about radical Christians. How can you be a radical Christian? You continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Real loud, say doctrine. What does doctrine mean? That's teaching, line upon line, precept upon precept of the Word of God. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's what radical Christians do. And they also continued steadfastly in fellowship. That's good. In breaking of bread. That's good. And in prayers. That's good. Then fear came upon every soul. Why was it? Because the power of God was on the scene. See, when radical Christians get together, the power of God shows up. When lukewarm Christians, mamby-pamby Christians, they get together, the power of God's not there. But when radical Christians get together, the power of God will be there. There'll be reverence. There'll be respect. There'll even be fear. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. There'll be healings and miracles, you see. Verse 44, now all who believed were together. They had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily, see, continuing daily, radical Christians continue. Not just on Sunday. You don't, you're not just radical on Sunday morning. But a radical Christian is somebody who's radical seven days a week. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can't just be radical on Sunday morning and have it be real. I said you can't just be radical on Sunday morning and have it be real. But real radical Christians are radical seven days a week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They continue daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. You see, when you have radical Christians, you have the joy of the Lord. You have gladness and simplicity of heart. And then in Acts 3, verse 1, as we continue on with this group that were baptized with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, you see Peter and John, Acts 3, verse 1, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. Real loud, say the hour of prayer. See, that's what radical Christians do. They go to the temple at the hour of prayer. They pray. They're in church. They pray. Verse 2, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter, from them. Then Peter said, "Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk." And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. Can you say Amen? See, that's what radical Christians do. They're people of prayer. They're going about their business of prayer, staying on fire for God, staying full of the Holy Ghost. And they ran across the path of a lame man. That guy was just looking for money. But you see, Peter and John were full of the Holy Ghost, radical Christians. And they saw that need, and they said, well, no, you don't really need silver and gold, but what you do need is the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And you see, that's, that's what ought to be flowing out of a radical Christian, and that's what will flow out of a radical Christian is the power of God. 
How come you don't see more signs and miracles and wonders than you do? Because you don't see more radical Christians than what you do. But radical Christians, you see, have the signs of God following them. And they have the power of God in manifestation. And they can say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Glory to God. And then in Acts 5, verse 12, Acts 5, verse 12, And through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Do you see that? Radical Christians stay in unity. They stay in one accord. They're not always fussing and fighting and grumbling and complaining. They're not always fussing and fighting and grumbling and complaining. They're not always fussing and fighting and grumbling and complaining and back-talking and and, and gossiping. Can anybody say praise God? But there was one accord. Verse 13, none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. See, you get to walking in the power of God. People will see that about you. They'll esteem that. At least sinners will. I'm telling you, sinners are hungry for the power of God. Sinners are, they, they've had enough of seeing mamby-pamby, lukewarm Christianity. They want to see something that's real. They want to see something that's, that doesn't just act like a Christian on Sunday morning and then go out and act like a heathen the rest of the week. They want to see something that's real 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They don't want to see Christians sitting after they've attended church service at a restaurant talking bad about other people or talking bad about their pastor or their fellow brethren. But they want to see, I'm talking about sinners, want to see at the restaurant people that were just as full of the Holy Ghost at church. They're just as full of the Holy Ghost at the restaurant, not talking bad about folks, but lifting people up in one accord. Can you say amen? Verse 14, believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of men and women. So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. That's power there. It wasn't a shadow that had the power. It was the proximity. You get it? I tell you what, you could get somebody when the power of God was on Peter and he was a radical Christian on fire for Almighty God and serving Jesus. If you could get somebody within a shadow's length of him, the power of God had hit him and healed him. Glory to God. They brought the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all healed. Glory to God. If we took the time and moved on, you would see that radical Christians serve in the house of God. I said radical Christians serve in the house of God. Everybody has a part to be doing something in the house of God. And those seven deacons were raised up. Philip was one of them. Stephen was one of them. See, radical Christians serve in the house of God. I said, radical Christians serve in the house of God. 
And then as we go on in the book of Acts, we see that Stephen was called upon. And he stood up, this radical Christian, and he declared, he went all the way back, stood up. Went all the way back to the days of Abraham and preached Jesus to this crowd that was gathered there from Abraham to Jesus. The crowd didn't like it. Religious people. And Stephen was martyred. Remember, when he was martyred, there was somebody standing there approving of his death. Who was that? It was Saul of Tarsus. But he got saved. There's a verse of scripture in the book of Acts that says that these Christians have turned the world upside down. But you see, it was because they were on fire, they were radical. And that's what radical Christians will do, is will turn the community and the world upside down. And how many of you know the world needs to be turned? See, radical Christians live holy. They stay pure sexually. They're not idolaters. They don't put anything ahead of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not drunkards. They control their tongues. They're honest. They walk in love. They're not prejudiced. They forgive. They turn the other cheek. They live by faith. They live by the Ten Commandments. And here's something else that radical Christians do. They pray for those who persecute them. I said they pray for those who persecute them. Now we're going to pray for that man that decapitated James Foley. They're calling him Jihadi John. You say, Pastor, you mean that you would pray for such a sinister individual? That's what Jesus told us to do. Pray for those who persecute you. But you need to hear the rest of what I have to say as I begin to close this message, but stay hooked. Yeah, we're going to pray for him. We're going to pray that he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad Saul came to the Lord Jesus Christ? But if he doesn't repent. I believe that Saul was going to die on the road to Damascus that day. When Jesus appeared to him one way or the other. Now you need to hear what I'm saying right now. I believe that Saul of Tarsus was going to die on the road to Damascus that day. When Jesus appeared to him, I believe he was going to die that day one way or the other. And he did die that day. Aren't you glad the old man died that day? As he was knocked to the ground by the power of God. And Jesus 
appeared to him, spoke to him. He may not have seen him, but he heard him. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? When he called him Lord, he died, didn't he? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God. How many of you, how many of you are glad that day that Saul of Tarsus died? But what if he hadn't have repented? What if he had not have repented? I believe that the same thing that happened to King Herod in Acts, the 12th chapter, you can read it sometime, as he rose his hand out to persecute the church, and he put to death James, the brother of John, and he would not repent. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord smote him, And worms ate him, and then he died. I believe that was Saul of Tarsus' fate. Had he not repented and gave his life to the Lord Jesus. I believe Saul was going to die that day on the road to Damascus one way or the other. And Saul chose wisely. If he hadn't have repented, I believe that the Lord would have smote him. See, God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. And as we pray for this jihadi John, We're going to pray that he gets saved. We're going to pray in line with the word of God. That he repent and give his heart to the Lord Jesus. Perhaps Jesus will appear to him. You know, there's records that we can have confidence in that sometimes the Lord has been appearing to some of these Islamic folks. Lord's good. I said the Lord Jesus is good. But if they won't repent, then they have to suffer the consequences. I seldom say stuff like I'm going to say right now, but I'm going to say this. Because I feel impressed by the Spirit of God to say this. And then we're going to pray. When they struck us on 9-11, Osama bin Laden, Al-Qaeda, it was right and righteous for us as the United States and the military service to go after those people. And that was right. Iraq was a misstep. this ISIS group that has risen up must be stopped. 
I said it must be stopped. We need to pray for President Obama. And I do not agree with most of what he does, but he's still the president. That he'll make some right decisions at this critical time. When, a, when an American citizen is decapitated like that, that cannot stand and must not stand. I said that cannot stand and it must not stand. I said that cannot stand and it must not stand. I said that cannot stand and it must not stand. And this ISIS group, I believe I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, it needs to be stopped. And we'll hit it in prayer. But see, prayer gives God the avenue because of the way God set things up. gives God the avenue to move. But if they'll not repent, and I pray that the president will be a leader and stand up and lead and gather a coalition of nations and those nations that he would lead and put together, hopefully, because it's imminent perhaps more so in the area of the Middle East right now, that they would put their boots on the ground. We could help, however, but I'm convinced that this ISIS situation needs to be stopped, even if it means the United States puts boots on the ground. Because what they did to James Foley cannot and must not stand. No more than what they did on 9-11 could stand. Sobering times. I know I stood in this pulpit many years ago and talked about how during the tribulation period, right, just reading right out of the book of Revelation, that during the tribulation period that Christians would be given a, an opportunity. I'm talking about those that missed the rapture that weren't living as radical and on fire for the Lord Jesus as they should. And, and, and or, or maybe they were lukewarm. That maybe, maybe they had a mental experience with Christ and they, they never really got born again. But, but they missed the rapture and, 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 and they, they, got, they got radicalized. They're living for Jesus and they're on fire. And we're in the tribulation period, at, as the, at, not now, but at that time. And I said this years ago, reading from the book of Revelation, that there that, will that, come a time right from the book of Re Revelation. It says that if you don't... Hold to Jesus, they'll cut your head off. Isn't that not what the Bible says in the book of Revelation? And people looked at me like, and they'd read it in the Bible, and you could, couldn't relate to it. But now you see what's happening. That Bible is coming to pass, isn't it? You can see it now. At least begin to. And James Foley's not the only one. There's been others.
stand with me if you would and take the hand of the person next to you? We get results when we pray. I said we get results when we pray. Now I know others pray. We're not the only ones, but we're doing our part. Last week we prayed for that situation in Ferguson. And one of the things we prayed is that peace would prevail. Did we not? And that thing just, that, that turmoil just fuzzled out, didn't it? Took a day or two, but it fuzzled out, didn't it? Are you saying that's because we prayed? Yes. Now, there may have been other people praying, certainly. I realize that. We're not the only ones. You don't want to follow a pastor that says, well, we're the only ones doing it right because there's other good ministers and pastors and preachers and churches. But we do our part. So we're going to pray now. And we're going to hit this thing in the spirit. And those that won't repent, then we'll let the ministers of righteousness, the United States Armed Forces, deal with those that won't repent. Because this thing has to be stopped. Are you ready to agree with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you now in the name of the Lord Jesus, that precious name. We thank you that we have access to you through the blood of the Lord Jesus. And sir, we hold up to you this man that's known in the newspapers as Jihadi John. We hold him up to you and we exercise our authority and we speak to that spiritual blindness that he's been bl blinded with. Blinded by the devil himself. We speak to that demonic darkness and we pull you down now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send the perfect laborer to him to minister the Lord Jesus Christ unto him in due season. And our prayer is that it will come to repentance. And the blood of Jesus, just like it washed Saul and changed him into Paul, just like it washed each, each and every one of us that's placed our faith in you, would wash him clean. And that he'd be just as radical for you as he has been for Allah and Islam. And we not only pray that for him, but we pray that for ISIS. We pull down that spiritual darkness in Jesus' name. And we ask, oh God, that you'd send the perfect laborer across their path. But if they'll not repent, we hold our president up before you. And we ask that you would speak to him and deal with him. That you would surround him and cause to come to him. The supervisors and the superiors of the military. And that they'd speak what you would have them speak to him. And that he would listen to good godly counsel. And that he would 
make the correct maneuvers and that he would not move for political reasons, but he would move for righteousness and what is right. And that he would lead and put a coalition together and do what is necessary to stop the movement of the powers of darkness who want to come to the United States and do to each and every one of us what's been done to James Foley. So Heavenly Father, we have dealt with this in the Spirit. And we know that you hear us when we pray. And we believe we receive it. In Jesus' name. And everyone that agreed with that realized that amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know about you, but I've sensed the anointing of God here today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Friends, it's a day to become radical for Jesus. It's a time to become radical for Jesus. The Spirit of God's been warning us and telling us for years now that we're coming up on a time where, where, where the principles that we've learned from the Word of God, we're coming up on a time where, where we're going to gonna have to use them. And, and we're there. Not a day and an hour to play church anymore. It's a day and an hour to be radical. Hallelujah. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you can do that before you leave here today. There'll be some men and women standing up here. Be sure you make that decision for Christ before you leave. If you need somebody to talk to, you need prayer for something else, whatever the case, they're here to pray with you. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want each of you to ask yourself, how radical have you been for the Lord Jesus? How on fire have you been for the Lord Jesus Christ? And this is a good day, a good time to rededicate yourself, fire yourself back up, stir yourself back up, and be as on fire and radical for the Lord Jesus Christ as you can possibly be. And that's my prayer for you and for me and for this pulpit that we just get more and more radical and more and more on fire and we walk in the love of God more and more than we ever have as we move on out. Because, see, the coming of the Lord is not. I said the coming of the Lord is not. The song says, you better get your houses in order for the coming of the Lord is not. And it's even at hand and He's even at the door. And we need to be ready to meet Him when He comes. We need to be full of faith, full of power, full of the Holy Ghost. Full of love. Hallelujah. So stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. And be more on fire than you've ever been. In Jesus' name. Well, love on a few people. Greet them.
ask them if they're radical, and then you're dismissed. 